Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Pastor has been teaching out of the book of Ruth. I'm not going to go there tonight, but I am going to do some teaching tonight on a subject uh, that's close to Ruth. But uh, it's kind of after Ruth. But uh, I want to do a little bit of teaching. And, and, the, and so I would have you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9, chapter 10. I'll be in those areas of Scripture. But I want to talk to you tonight uh, with the title of the message, Donkeys to Destiny. Donkeys to Destiny. And uh, just do a little bit of teaching. Let me give you a little background on this teaching and on where we'll be looking at in the Scripture. As Pastor was teaching last week, he was talking about the book of Ruth and, and that great story of of Ruth and Boaz and and Naomi and how God moved in that situation. And he mentioned to us that that was in the time of the judges in Israel and there was a lot of chaos in the land. And so we're we're still when we're we're in first Samuel, we're going to be talking to you in a same in a similar setting. Israel was still under the judgment judges. Uh, being ruled by judges, governed by judges that God would raise up. Samuel uh, was the last judge of Israel. And so here we are, and it's a similar time. The Philistines were their great enemy. They were ruled by judges. All the nations around them had kings. And so Samuel was a judge of Israel. He was getting old, so he appointed his sons to take his place. And as as so often happens, and happened with Eli, his sons were corrupt. And the people uh, just rose up against that. They said, no more. Your your boys are corrupt. We've had enough of this. We want to be like everybody else that's around us, and we want a king. And uh, so Samuel being a prophet of God, uh, knew that this was, uh, this was not, it was not the perfect will of God. But however, it was the destiny of Israel to have a king. So God told Samuel, he said, let the people have what they want. I'm going to give them a king. And, he, and Samuel was very disheartened. He said, he said, why are you disheartened? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But I want you to tell them they can have a king, that I'll give them a king, and I want you to tell them what that king is going to do. So Samuel does that, and he tells them everything that this king is going to do when they have a king. He says he's going to take your children, he's going to take your handmaids, he's going to tax you, he's going to tax your cattle, he's going to tax your grain, he's going to take all this stuff, he's going to pull your young men and take them to put them in an army and they're going to go to war and all he told them everything that was going to happen they said we don't care that's what we want and so he said well you're going to have it 
So that's the background of this story. Now, anytime you got something going on like this, it's a big picture, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things happen that, that look really big, but there's always something going on behind the scenes that's even a bigger story. Are you hearing me tonight? Yo, yo. There's always something. There's another story that's going on that, that is really more crucial to the events of the day than what you see going on out. And that's where I want to go tonight because the backstory behind this big story of Israel about to get a king is a young man from the tribe of Benjamin. His father's name was Kish. His name happened to be Saul. And Saul was just going about his business. One day, the donkeys got loose. The donkeys got loose. And uh, I haven't been around donkeys. I see donkeys all the time. But it doesn't surprise me that the donkeys got loose from what I know about donkeys. And they left. And his father, I mean, this is this just seemed, you know, an insignificant thing. A group of donkeys got loose. That's no big deal. It's no big deal. The donkeys got loose. His father went to him and said, Son, take this servant and go find them donkeys. And so that's the story we're at right here. That's where we are in this story is Saul, with a servant, is out hunting donkeys. God Almighty on the throne is out hunting a king, though. There's two people looking. There's two people looking. Two groups looking. Saul looking for donkeys and God looking for a king. And I want you to, I, I, and I want to bring this thing now. Now, I don't want to just give you a history lesson tonight. Now, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to exhort you, to encourage you, and to teach you something that's going to matter to your life out of this story that we're talking about tonight. And the thing that I want you to know out of this is that God has a plan. Everybody say, God's got a plan. God has plans. He still has plans. He had them, he has them, and he's going to have them. God has a plan. That, my friends, is a fact. There's no questioning about it. There's, there's no doubt about it. God is a God of plans. God didn't just scoop a bunch of cosmic material up one day and fling it off at the end of his fingers and see what would happen. There is a design in every iota of the universe. It has to be. There's no way. See, scientists are studying today trying to figure out where we came from and how it all stems and how this planet is, is even viable. And they... They, they are really smart people, but they're foolish. God spun it on its axis. You take God out of the equation, then there's chaos. You take God out. God, in Genesis 1, 
he, he looked upon the face of the earth and there was darkness and no form and it was void until God began to say, let there be. Come on, somebody. God is a God of plans. Listen, if he planned the universe, if he told them fish that are swimming out in the Gulf of Mexico right now and, and migrating, fish that are five years old are going, are going right back where they were born. Got to be a God. Huh? They don't have a GPS. Them hummingbirds is, ain't that big. They fly all the way to South America, go all the way up to the Arctic, and they come through here every fall. And the same hummingbird will come to your little feeder. Same hummingbird will. That's a bird brain, guys. <laughs> ain't that smart? That's why we call them bird brains. Gotta be a God. He's a God of plans. He has a plan. Listen, if he has a plan for the hummingbird, if he has a plan for the fish, if he's got a plan for the geese, if he tells the, the grizzly bear when to go to bed in the winter, then God has a plan for every person in this room. And you sitting there and you say, well, you don't know what I've been through. I've had this happen. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. Let me tell you something. If you don't get anything else out of this teaching tonight is that God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. Glory to God. He is a God of plans. God has plans. And at the center of God's plan for us is the needs of God's people. Samuel had a, he had a plan. Go find his daddy's donkeys. But God had another plan. See, because the people had been crying out to God. They'd been crying out to God more than just saying, we want a king. They'd been crying out to God, some of them, that they were oppressed by their enemies that they needed a leader, that they needed some hope. See, it's not always, it was never about the donkeys. It was about God's people. And the plan God has for you is not about you. It's about God's people. Look at somebody saying, ain't all about you. It's about God's people. Turn with me over to Ephesians 1 real quick. I should have just told you to turn there, but while you're turning there, I can be talking. Ephesians 1. I want you to look at some stuff here. Glory to God. Feel the anointing tonight to help somebody. People get discouraged. Or people get caught up. People get distracted. And they're just going through life trying to make a dollar, trying to make five, knock out and go to the house, trying to raise the kids, trying to save enough money so they can retire. And forget about the fact that God put you here for a reason. God's got a plan for you. You're a child of God. You're not just here to fill up space and to breathe air. If you're breathing God's air, God's got a plan for you. Ephesians 1 uh, 
in about verse number 8. Let's just look at that real quick. He's talking about the forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according, look at this, to his purpose. God's a God of purpose. God's a God of plan, which he set forth in Christ. Look at this. Here's that word in verse number 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance having been, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will. God has a plan. And you, my friend, are right in the middle of God's plan. You have, you are. Stop saying you're not. And begin to say, I'm where he wants me to be. If I'm not where he wants me to be, I'm on my way. Saul walking through life oblivious. He's just doing what his daddy said. But God had a plan for him. He, he said, I'm going to find the donkeys. God said, yeah, go find the donkeys. Go find them. You just may be going for an interview on a job. You may just be making a phone call just like you do every day. You may be just riding down the road. You might be making up a pan of biscuits. Glory to God, I felt the anointing right there. Doesn't matter what the activity is. If you're a child of God, he's going to direct you to your destiny. Right to it. We have a, the great example I love this in Ephesians. It said in the fullness of time. And that means that's kairos. That's it's just the right time. Galatians 4, 4 says the same thing. In the fullness of time. When it was just right. When, it's time, when, when the alarm went off. When it was cooked to the right moment. When it was time for the baby to come. No sooner, no later. When it was just right on time. God. How about that, somebody? When it's right time, God, period. You can just stop it right there. God, it ain't too late. It's not too early. On the right time, God, God will move. Jesus came. He's our great example. And look at him. Remember, it's not about you. It's about other people. Everything Jesus did was for others. The greatest among us is a servant. We've been studying that in our men's class. God called us to be great. And his definition of great means to serve. His definition of great is just to take off your cloak, get a pan of water, and wash somebody else's feet. 
Jesus set the example for us. See, we can do a lot of things for a lot of different reasons. But if our motive is anything other than serving, God knows. God knows. You might fool me, but it don't matter. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what Pastor Cornelius thinks. It doesn't matter what your wife or husband thinks. But you can't fool God. 1 Corinthians 4 says that. Said on there, there's coming a time when everything that's 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 un, that's covered will be uncovered. Even the motives of the heart. That's why he said, Don't judge anybody right now, because there's coming a time when I'm going to uncover everything. And if the motive was not the right motive, it's just going to be piled up over here and burned. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. So God has a plan. So does he really have a plan for me? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He's got a plan for you, darling. Got a plan for you, Brother Jack. Got a plan for you, Corey. Got a plan. You say, I'm not qualified. What was Saul's qualifications? Well, he didn't, he didn't go to king's school. He, hadn't, he didn't have any qualifications. You look at him. He was just doing what his daddy said to do. Now, the only thing the Bible says about him says he was a handsome man, much like me. But, but not like me, said he was a tall man. Said he was head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. But he hadn't done nothing to distinguish himself from anybody else in the tribe of ben Benjamin, much less in the nation of Israel. He, he doesn't. Matter of fact, he really wasn't that very industrious about getting the donkeys you read down later on, they couldn't find them. He said, you know what? We need to go back to the house. We done run out of bread. We ain't got nothing to eat. Let's go home. So, I mean, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a lot of initiative. Really wasn't that smart. Wasn't smart enough to bring enough bread along with him. Depending on his daddy's servant to give him direction. So if you're looking for somebody that was unqualified, Saul was unqualified. God is not looking for the qualified. God is looking for the willing and the obedient. Do you hear what I said? He's looking for the willing and the obedient. Isaiah 119 says, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. That's all God's looking for is the willing and the obedient. You ain't got to raise your hand, but are you willing? The biggest part is, are you obedient? Because the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is it's like, let me get in this recliner 
and turn my favorite TV show on. Come on, come on. Let me walk in here and get me another bag of tater chips. God is looking for the willing and the obedient because he has a mission and a purpose for every person. You look, look at me tonight. You say, well, I, I, I've done my purpose. I've done it. Well, I, I want to give you some information tonight. You got more than one purpose in this life. You have multiple purposes. And they're all about other people. Okay? Your purpose, your mission, and your purpose are tied together. And your mission can change. Mission accomplished. What's the next mission? Mission accomplished. What's the next mission? Mission accomplished. What's the next mission? I don't care how old you are, how unqualified or overqualified you are. You have a purpose. You have a mission. And it is never ending. When you have completed one, it's time for another. Until the day that God calls you home, you're always on mission. Paul was on mission from, from the day of the Damascus Road to the day he laid his head on a chopping block in Rome. He was on mission. You have a mission. God has a plan. You are on mission. Now, here's the question that we all ask. How do I know what it is and how do I know when it is? All my life, as, as long as I've been in pastoral ministry, that's the, that's, that's the question that people ask me all the time. Brother Don, what did God put me here to do? Brother Don, what, what, why am I here? I, I, Brother Don, I want to do something for the Lord. What can I do? I just don't know what to do. You, people never like the answer that I give them. Because I can tell you, and this is my, this is my stock. If you ask me this question, I'm going to give you this answer. Jesus said the whole law is summed up in this, in these two things. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you've done these two, you've fulfilled all the law. That's what your purpose is. That's what your mission is in life, is to love him and love him and love him and love her and love him. That's what your mission is. So if you ask me, that's what I'm going to tell you. You say, well, I know that. Everybody knows that. I want to know specifically. Well, number one, it's not specifically. It's specifically. Be specific with me. I can't be an ocean. 
know what it is and when it is. Saul wasn't even looking for it. He was living his life as expected. Many of you are. You walked in here tonight. You're just living life like you expected. You're just being obedient to the last thing you knew to do. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. His was go find the donkeys. But if you want to know specifically what you've got to do, <clears throat> this is where I'm fixing to drill down in it right now. The voice of God has got to speak to you. Do you hear me? The voice of God has got to speak to you. In the case of Saul, the voice of God was when his servant turned to him and said, I hear there's a man of God in this town. Why don't we go see what he says before we go home? That was the voice of God right there. Saul wasn't even looking for it. The voice of God spoke to him right there. You've got to hear the voice of God. You want to know what to do? Listen to the voice of God. Saul didn't know how to hear from the voice of God. But somebody else did. Somebody else had already knew. He said, there's a man here. They say he's in touch with God. Why don't we go see? what he's got to say listen the voice of God for you might be a person just like it was could be me tonight speaking to you I could be the voice of God to you many times the voice of God is speaking from behind the pulpit and we ain't paying a bit of attention it's going right over our head the voice of God could be a song the voice of God could be a phrase and a poem that, that opens you up to listen to what he's got to say. See, in this case, it was just a man saying, why don't we go see? That man was the voice of God saying, go over here. And then he, he didn't know it, but he was about to hear what God, the plan that God had for his life. Maybe when you're opening your Bible and you're reading, you got to open your Bible to do that. Might be a piece of scripture for you, but you got to look at it. God will speak to you. God will speak to you. Remember, Saul was just looking for donkeys, but God directed his path to a divine plan. The story says that the donkeys were already home. It wasn't ever about the donkeys anyway. It's just like Paul, the apostle, was on a mission to destroy the church. It never was about his mission to destroy the church. Billy Graham was just going to visit a revival meeting. It never was about him going to that revival meeting. For Paul, for Saul, for Billy Graham and for you and I, it's always getting us into the place where we can hear the voice of God as he speaks to us.
Moses turned aside to see why this bush burned. It wasn't about the bush. It wasn't about that burning bush. It was about Jehovah, I am. Elohim speaking to him out of that bush. Never was about the donkeys. It ain't about your job. It ain't about that trip you're taking. It's about God speaking into your life. Let me, let me give you this point just the way I wrote it down. When God is ready to reveal his plan, sometimes we aren't spiritual enough to hear him. Are you listening to me? So he does things in the natural to get us before his presence. God just sent an angel down there and unlatched that gate and let them down and shoot them donkeys out. Because he had to get Saul on the move. Because he wanted to speak to him. You hear me? Because sometimes we're not spiritual enough to hear from him. We're not going to open the Bible up. We're not going to do it. We're not where we need to be. There may be some. Saul was, was full of sin and hatred. Paul, the apostle, he was full of sin and hatred and bitterness for God. God had to get him going somewhere so he could speak to him on the road to Damascus. And you think you can outrun him. You think you can hide. God will get you where he needs to get you so he can say to you what he wants to say to you because you need to hear because it's about his people. Just understand this. When Moses went to look at that bush, God didn't use the bush to direct Moses. It was the voice of God speaking from the bush that directed Moses. We look for signs all the time. We look for signs. When there's a flood, a hurricane, an earthquake, when there's a tragedy that happens in, in our life or in one of our friends' life, when there's a when there's a when there's a a blessing that happens, we say God must be trying to tell us something. God, God must be trying to speak to us. Listen, if there's an a, a, a earthquake or a, a famine, that ain't God trying to tell you anything. He ain't trying to tell us nothing because he's already said what he needed to say out of the voice of a prophet. That's when he was speaking. What you see now is the results of the word of God coming forth. If you get a blessing in your life, it's, that blessing ain't trying to tell you nothing. You're trying to get a job because, man, they're offering you this money. That must be a sign I need to take this job. You're trying to be in a relationship because, or not being one because you didn't like the relationship or you like the relationship. You say, well, God must be speaking to me out of that. That's not how God speaks. God speaks by his word. By his word. 
not by any events. God was not speaking to him on the road, saw on the road that he traveled trying to find them donkeys. God wasn't speaking to him there. God was using an event in the natural to get him to a place where he could speak to him. I've seen people uh, get, you know, on a sick bed. Something bad happened to them, getting a car wreck. And people will look at me and say, God must be trying to tell him something. No, God ain't trying to tell him nothing. God might have been trying to tell him something when he told him, don't take that next drink. What happened to him is because he didn't listen to God. Maybe, maybe not. God speaks by his word. God speaks by his prophet. God spoke out of the bush. The bush was not the direction. If, it'd be, wouldn't this be crazy? God speaking out of this bush and Moses saying, well, that flame must mean this and that flame and down here, that color right there, that must be, I mean to do this, I need to do that. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Well, we do the same thing all the time. God's speaking to us here. God's speaking to us here. God's speaking us to a, a friend. God's speaking to us, and we're trying to look and, and read the tea leaves. I got to cut and pay. I must have done something wrong. You can't go by that. We are children of the Most High God. We are children who are led and spoken to by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads us and guides us and directs us in every area of our life. Stop looking for a sign. Stop trying to read something into something that's not there. God is not going to speak to you by a fleece. I had an old preacher told me, he said, if you go by fleeces, you'll get fleeced. God is speaking to you through his word. That's the way God speaks. In this case, he was speaking to us, speaking to Samuel, through Samuel, to Saul. John 3, 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit leads us. We're not understanding. The Spirit of God leads us. I'll say it one more time. God will use natural events to position us to hear what the Spirit is saying. Then we will be launched into the next season of his divine purpose. I've said that. I'm going to say it again. Now, so, how and when? You know by the voice of God. Not by the sign, but by the voice. God leads by... Especially now, we have the precious Holy Spirit who leads us. He said, you, he said in John 14, he said, you, you have no need of a teacher. The Spirit will teach you in all things. He leads us in God. If you want to know, the Spirit will. 
Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll take you to the Word. He'll get it. You'll know. How will you know? That's, that's the other question. Well, then how do I know it's from God and not my mother-in-law? First Samuel 10, verse number 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on the head of Saul. And he kissed him. And he said, Has not the Lord, here's this word, anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel? How will I know that it's the voice of God? Because the anointing will accompany it. You say, I don't understand what the anointing is. A lot of us don't because we think the anointing is an emotion we get. Now, I get emotional. That's not the anointing. That's just me under the anointing. That's my body reacting to the anointing. You understand that? The anointing is the presence of God. The presence of God. Tangible presence of God when you are in the anointing your spirit there's a witness in other words there's a testimony between the Holy Spirit and your spirit there's a witness right there that's what we call it you'll know it you know the anointing honey I might not knew, I didn't know a lot of theology a lot of doctrine I didn't know uh, Job from Job when I got saved, all I knew is the Holy Ghost walked into the room I was in and I felt something, a presence, and it was not, it was not my emotion. It was the presence of God in my life. And I know, I know, I know, I know that was him. And when I called out on him, when I cried out to him, he forgave me of my sin. And I knew it, and everybody that knew me knew it then because I wasn't the same man anymore. You'll know it's the voice of God by the anointing. 1 Samuel, uh, go on from verse uh, 2 to verse 8. There will be tangible confirmations. That means a supernatural a natural event that only God can cause. Now, I said you don't go by those. You don't. You don't go by those. But they can confirm if they came from the voice of God because the voice of God says, this is what's going to happen. This is what is going to happen. From verse 2 to verse 8, he said, these things are going to happen because he's trying to speak to this natural man who don't know anything. He said he knew that the anointing had hit him that day because it was tangible. The oil had run down over him. But he said, just to show you this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and when it happens, not only will you know it, but everybody around you going to know it. They're going to see something different about this boy. Is he, is he a prophet? Because you're going to prophesy, son. And this is where you're going to meet these men. And when you meet them men, you're going to join in with them. And you're going to prophesy. 
And everybody's going to know something has happened to you. So that's the second thing. Third thing is found in verse number 9. And this is, this is the most reliable thing I can tell you. Okay? When he, Saul, turned his back to leave Samuel, look at this, God gave him another heart. Glory to God. And when he went, the signs that he said look for, they happened. But it was the voice of God that told him what his plans and what his destiny was. Wasn't the signs. Signs can only be confirmation. Remember what I said? If you see an earthquake or famine or something like that, that's not the voice of God. That is a confirmation of what the prophet said. Got me? Right, do you have me for real? Everybody? We good? So, can you do can I do what God has planned for me? Can I? Can you? That's the question I get. I'm just teaching to you tonight how to practical stuff. What's the plan of God for my life? How do I know when and how do, how do I know what? And how will I know it's God? And the other big question is, can I do what God has called me to do? You can ask Debbie. You've heard Pastor talk about his experience with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can ask Debbie. I was the most backward, shy person you'd ever want to meet when we got married. I, cur I, I got enough courage to ask her out. Now, I was, I'd cut up and laugh and joke with people, but I wouldn't look you right in the eye. And if I knew you, I'd talk to you, and we'd laugh and talk. I'd go around her parents, and they said, Honey, there's something wrong with that boy. He don't say nothing. Some of our best friends, we went to visit them, and when we left the house, she looked at him, he looked at her, and she said he, she is making the worst decision of her life, getting hooked up with that fellow. There's something wrong with him. He won't say nothing. I'm up here preaching the gospel of Jesus. I preached before thousands all across the world. I preached in India. I preached in Africa. I preached in Asia. I preached in South America in front of people that didn't even know my language and preached under the anointing and the power of God. Now you tell me that God won't do in you what he called you to do. For the day that the Lord spoke to me, he, I said these things. I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do and when am I supposed to do it? He said, I'll tell you when and I'll show you what. And he has ever since. You ask her. There will be a change in you. There will be a change in you. In other words, it, it, in other words it's this, like this. What I needed to do what he called me to do he called me to preach the gospel. Taught, taught me to teach people. Taught them, taught, told me to uh, disciple people, exhort people, encourage people. I couldn't have done that 
without the power of the Holy Spirit. But what God calls you to, he'll equip you to do. God's got a plan. God's got a plan, brother. God's got a plan, sister. God's got a plan. And whatever his plan is, he'll equip you. He'll give you what you need. He'll give me, and he hadn't failed yet. Now, I'm still weird, still strange, but not like I was. Verse number 7, he gave Saul these instructions. He said, now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds you to do, for God is with you. God is with you. That's the thing. God is with you. You might be just like Samuel. He went home. The donkeys was at home. And he said, oh, I'm glad we found the donkeys. He didn't tell anybody what the prophet had told him. You might be the same way. You might not tell them. But God knows and you know. And God's anointing is on you. And when the time comes, it's going to hit you. <laughs> Glory to God. You and God still know. Now, 1 <clears throat> Samuel 10, verse number 27. Where am I at? Oh, yes. This was, I want to give you this real quick. I, I'm right on time. Got two minutes. Not everybody gonna believe, even when you if you when and if you do, tell them this is the God's plan for me. Not everybody gonna go along with you, huh? But some worthless fellow said, "How can this man be save us?" That's when Saul had brought him out, found him in the baggage, and brought him out and said, "This is your king." Everybody said, "Yay!" Except for some, they said, "Nah, not this old boy." Ain't nothing coming out of Benjamin. I know his daddy, I knew him, ain't nothing to him. He's dumb. He ain't even know taking up bread with him. He'll back up when the going gets rough, he'll go home. He done it on me one time when we was hunting. Just left me high and dry. You can't depend on him. You're going to have that. I still meet people to this day that will walk up to me, darling, people that I went to school with and say, I heard something about you. I said, well, what did you hear? I heard you was a preacher. And I said, yeah. Well, I never would have thunk it. You wouldn't have thunk it, would you? Nobody would have thunk it. They just, and they still, some of them look at me out the corner of the eyes and I ain't for, still ain't for sure because they remember me, what I used to do, how I was. But if they round me along a little bit, they'll see that God's got a plan for me and he's working in me. <clears throat> so you can do what God has planned for you. You'll know it by the anointing You'll listen to the voice of God and everything that's going on in your life you think is out of control. Everything is lost. I can't find this. I can't find this. God's just walking you through. Everywhere Saul went, God was getting him closer and closer to the word of God. 
to the man of God because God had a plan, not only for him. Remember, it never was about Saul. It wasn't about the donkey. It's not about you. It's God's people. And God had a plan for Israel on how to defeat their enemies. And God's going to use Saul to do it. Remember when I said your heart will be changed? Remember that? 1 Samuel 11, verse number 5 and verse number 6. Now, behold, Saul was coming from the field behind his oxen. He had done gone back to doing because he didn't tell nobody. Even he, Listen, he didn't tell anybody. Samuel told everybody, but he went on back, started working for his daddy again. And they were probably thinking, well, I, he ain't much of a king. He's gone back to doing what he always has done. But look at this. Saul was coming from behind the altar, and Saul said, what's wrong with the people? People were in an uproar. They, they're weeping. So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh, where the Ammonites had threatened to kill them and take them, pluck their eyes out. Look at number, verse number 6. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words and his anger was greatly kindled. He took the yoke of oxen, cut them up and sent it to all the people and said, follow me. And you can read the rest of the story. They destroyed the Ammonites. When God, when, when God tells you, everybody look at me and say this with me. God has a plan. For me. That's a confession. Now whether you believe it or not. It's irrelevant right now. But it's going to get in your spirit. And when you get. To where that plan needs to be activated. The spirit of God is going to come on you. It's not by might. Nor by power. But it's by the spirit of the Lord. It never is, it never was about you and it ain't going to be through your strength. It's going to be because you are willing and you are obedient and when you are, the spirit of God can work in your life and he can accomplish what he wants to against the enemies of God and for his kingdom and for his glory. Now say this with me again. God has a plan for me. God will work through me to accomplish his plan. 